Welcome to the Boss Podcast, the best of social selling. Your host, Mark McGinnis, Australia's number one social seller, author of Tactical Pipeline Growth and B2B Sales Trainer, brings you expert opinion, tactics, and discussion to help you get more out of your time on social. This podcast keeps getting better and better. This episode, I caught up with Cynthia Barnes. Cynthia is a class act, as you will hear. Cynthia shared with great patience all of her LinkedIn strategies and explained the why and the how of each individual step. So simple, even I could follow this process and be successful. What I'm starting to see is a pattern forming. Everyone who's very good on social has a clear strategy that they choose to follow. Everyone's is a little bit different, but they have a strategy and they execute it at about 75 to 80% of effectiveness. And I think this is the key. This podcast is really starting to take shape. Our download numbers are rising every week and I have some fantastic people lined up to chat with in the coming weeks, as well as some really interesting ideas for our Masterclass series. To all of those who are sending messages in, thank you for your input. Please keep them coming. We really appreciate the acknowledgement. If you'd like to get in contact, don't hesitate. Please do simply reach out to me either on LinkedIn or directly via my website, which is markmc.co. But for now, let's hear Cynthia talk about her LinkedIn strategy. I'm sure you'll enjoy the clarity she brings to her process as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Boss Podcast, the podcast that helps you become better at using social for sales and lead generation. Today, we have another in what we call our expert series. And this is where we bring in an expert to tell us about a particular aspect of the social space or to share all this very best social strategies. So, of course, for us to be able to do that, we need an expert. So today we're lucky to be joined by Cynthia Barnes. Hello, Cynthia. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Very great to have you. So by way of introduction, Cynthia is one of LinkedIn's top sales influencers. And impressively, Cynthia is responsible for building, coaching, and training sales professionals to help them break through to the very top 1% of sales performance. But all these sales performers have one thing in common. They're all women. Cynthia is a champion for women in sales and the CEO and founder of the National Association of Women Sales Professionals and the Barnes Sales Institute. Cynthia, thanks for joining us. It's quite an honor to have you on. Thank you. It's good to be here. How did I go with the introduction? Did I leave anything out? No, you covered me well. Thank you. I'll slip you that 50 later. (laughs) Well done. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the organization that you founded? We'd love to hear. Sure. As the CEO and founder of NAWSP, I am responsible for making sure that our 15,000 members have access to the network and also training created by women for women to succeed and reach the top 1%. So that in a nutshell is what we do. Okay. And uh, look, I mean, obviously you're, you're a woman, but why have you got such a strong focus on this course, on this focus? That's an excellent question. Besides the fact that I am a woman and I've spent the last just 16 years in sales, leading sales teams, I had this crazy idea back in 2016. I said, in a world where traditional sales approaches were created by men for men at a time when men made up the entire sales force, how much faster could women reach the top 1% if we had sales approaches that took into account the unique challenges that we faced? while amplifying our innate strengths. So that's what I I wanted to prove. That was my hypothesis back in 2016. 
Nothing wrong with traditional sales approaches. After all, my colleagues and I, who are women, reach the top 1% with them. Again, my hypothesis was how much faster could we get to the top 1% if we had sales approaches that were designed for us? Okay, that's great. I love that. And so would you say that the environment, the overall sales environment is getting better towards equality or is, or is it still a real challenge for you, particularly there in the States? It is a challenge. I think anytime you bring awareness to a problem, that's half the battle. And bringing awareness to the challenges that women in sales face not only elevates the women, it also makes our advocates, male and female, aware of the problems that we face and they become stronger allies. So I think while we still have a long way to go, we're on the right track. Okay, that's good to hear. I did a little bit of research looking through some of the things that you've been talking about recently and you talk a little bit about performance bias and I haven't heard that before. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure, I'll give you an example. Let's say that Tom, who is a sales manager, has individual contributors, both male and female. Mm -hmm. And Tom decides that one day he is going to hold a happy hour. And for some reason, the women on his team, not all of them can make it because they have responsibilities at home or what have you. So when Tom takes his male individual contributors out to the happy hour, there is a bonding that occurs that doesn't occur because the women are not with him. In addition, there's coaching and training that goes on at these happy hours and women who are not in attendance because of home responsibilities are not privy to those. So unbeknownst to Tom, he is actually giving his attendees at that happy hour a leg up because he's giving them additional training, coaching, not to mention the bonding and rapport that goes on. So that's an example of performance bias. Another one would be when I was in pharmaceutical sales, I had a territory that was in Detroit, which is an impoverished area of the state. One of my drugs was brand new and it was very expensive. And unless my doctors had patients who were on commercial insurance, i.e. not state-run programs, they would not be able to write my drug for those patients. Yet, even though I was at a disadvantage because those doctors could not write my drug because those patients couldn't afford it, I was still held to the same standards as those who were selling that same drug in affluent areas to people and to patients with commercial insurance. That's another example of performance bias, and we want to shed some light on that. Okay, so great stuff. So I saw some of your, it might have been webinars, so maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but or public presentations on LinkedIn. So if you've got an interest in those, I'd heavily recommend you look up Cynthia and check out some of those conversations. They seem quite valuable. Okay, so let's talk about how you use LinkedIn to help you with your cause. Let's start with, you know, what sort of results do you typically achieve using LinkedIn or social media? Well, in the beginning of NAWSP, we did not have a lot of money. We were a startup, if you will. And not having a lot of money or VC backing, we had to bootstrap everything. And that being said, there was no money for advertising. So I said, how is it that we can use social media to amplify our presence, create awareness, and then move potential sponsors and members through the sales cycle? So we developed a system to do that. And as a result, in three years, we had over 14,000 members, and we have some of the biggest sponsors that you can imagine. 
This is just all through social media? Yes. Any other outbound or any other advertising at all? Nope. We use LinkedIn and we don't use Facebook, Instagram. We have a presence on those. However, for lead generation and social selling, it's all through LinkedIn. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. So I'm pretty much all in on uh, LinkedIn, by the way, myself. So you've got about 20,236 followers as of yesterday when I had a look. Connections on LinkedIn. How do you leverage those people to get the result that you need? What's your activity that you conduct? The first thing was I had to clearly define with granularity and specificity the psychographics and demographics of our target audience. Mm -hmm. Using Sales Navigator, we're able to drill down and say who is most likely going to be responsive or receptive to our messaging. Because in marketing, there's a formula M times M equals R, where the first M is your message, what you say to people to get them to stop the scroll. The second M is your media. Where do you put that defined message? And then your R is your result. And if you go back to ninth grade algebra, anything in an algebraic equation set to zero means the whole thing is zero. Okay. So you could have the best graphic, you could have the best message, but if you don't put it in the right spot, then it will not reach your target audience. So we had to find out what makes our target market tick and what would get them to stop the scroll. And then we started creating messaging around that to get them to interact. Okay. So that's really interesting. Can you tell me how you dissected your target market using some of those filters on Sales Navigator? What were some of the key metrics that you used to filter right down to that very narrow basket? LinkedIn does not allow you to segment by psychographics, unfortunately, only demographics, but we went through title. We went through second degree connection. We went through the cities where we have our chapters. And we also went through companies that have the largest number of people. Because remember, they're only 30% of women or 30% of sales professionals are women. So if we're going after a company that only has 200 people, then chances are very unlikely that they would have a large contingent of women in sales. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. So You've got to divide that number by 30% to look at your target market. Clever. Correct. It's a shame they won't let us use demographic information on on LinkedIn. That would be handy. Yeah, it's probably to protect the integrity of the system, but there are workarounds. Are there? Would you like to share? Well, it's a time-consuming process. However, when we're going through and looking at women, like if we run a list, we've got to manually go through account executives and select who we want to connect with on LinkedIn. And you can't separate by gender. So it's a manual process. Okay. So you, you build out a list as best you can using those automation filters then go in manually and, and select your key targets. Yes, because nothing is an exact science. So even though you run that list in Sales Navigator, you still have to filter to make sure that you are connecting with the right people. Mm, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I see a lot of people use automation to try and sidestep some of these steps, if that's the right term, you know, to step around some mm-hmm. of them. I never see it work well. You know, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Absolutely not. Number one, I don't want my account dinged by LinkedIn because automation is against their policy. And number two, this is, remember, LinkedIn is about connections and relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think as soon as you forget that, that's when people start to fall over, in my mind anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's the next step? So you've got your perfect target clients. What do you do next? Then we come up with a content schedule to engage our target audience. So that content schedule is a daily schedule and we create content that 
moves the needle. So when you're creating content for your target market, you have to say, what is the overarching goal that I want my target market to be able to do to be able to be? And everything that you post has to help them move that needle toward that overarching goal. Okay, I understand. So have you done some research around the different sorts of media that works best for you? Yes, we've tried video. Mm -hmm. We've tried long form posts where you use all 1300 characters. We've tried links in the post. We've tried links in the first comment. We've done a plethora of things. And what seems to work best for us is long form content. Videos are okay, but long form content that tells a story that is highly engaging and and personable, but not personal. Okay. So, and that's where you post what we call natively directly into LinkedIn, isn't it? So you're not creating a, you know, like we used to call them a blog post, you know, like a piece of uh, written content and then tagging back to that. You're putting all of the the text inside the LinkedIn platform. Yep. And then do you put pictures and videos and things at the bottom of that or, 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 or is it just a text-only post that you find works best? The text-only post gets the highest engagement. Okay. Yes. Yep. So that's pretty consistent with what I've spoken to everybody else. So that makes sense. So what typically happens then with the interaction that you get from the people that interact with that content? The interaction, that's a, that's a really good question. The interaction comes from those who I'm trying to target. So. Before you can expect people to interact with you, you have to interact with them. So according to the algorithm, only 20% of your followers will see your content at any given time. The way you work around that is you go and find your target market and you engage on their posts. So you tell the algorithm, hey, you two must want to see each other's content So therefore, I am going to, now that Cynthia has interacted with Dawn's content, I'm going to make sure that Dawn sees more of Cynthia's content when she posts it. Okay. I I love that. Can I just get some clarification there? Is that before you're connected or after? So if you see me on the platform and you think that I'm a perfect target for you, do you go and interact with me before you've connected or after? Before. Ah, interesting. Okay. Great stuff. I don't think many people are doing that. I think most people are reaching out for a connection in the first instance. Nope. For sponsors or for those that I, those high value targets, I'm actually connecting with or not connecting with them, but I'm actually commenting on theirs. And Gary Vaynerchuk had a formula that if you do that 90 times a day, then you will see your followers increase and your engagement increase. Okay. Not with the same person 90 times. No, (laughs) please don't. Please don't. That's a great strategy, but I think most people think that they need to be connected before they can interact successfully. No, yeah, um, not at all. Help my listeners, because I think what you're describing, it doesn't really matter what you're selling and, or, or what you're trying to promote, and you're trying to promote a fantastic cause, but if I'm trying to sell a product or a service, the conversation I want to start is very similar, I feel. So what sort of things would you be doing to interact with those people who you're not connected with, and I guess in some way don't know you yet, in inverted commas? Sure. The first thing I would do is find something interesting to say about what they posted last. And I would want to make sure that of all the comments, my comment is the most relative and the most popular, if you will, because I want my post to be at the top of all of the other posts. So that means it has to be highly engaging, has to be all about them. It has to be edifying. And it also has to be six words or more. So that's what I'm going to do with my target audience. 
so that they start to see my posts, but also so that other people can see what I've posted and I become that subject matter expert or that thought leader, which leads people to go back to my profile and follow me. Yeah. Look, you are just killing this. I love the specificity that you're providing here, Cynthia. It's really clear why you're so good at what it is that you do. This is great. Thank you. You said it has to be six words or more. Why does it need to be six words or more, do you think? Number one, that's what the algorithm likes. And number two, how can you be thoughtful, engaging, inspiring, and a subject matter expert if you put in something as cavalier as great post, Don? (laughs) Yeah, well, but I think that's what most people put. And I've done that a few times myself when I've been in a rush. Guilty it's card at times. So I didn't know that about the algorithm. So you've taught me something there, Cynthia. Thank you very much. That's great. Then it has to be six words. Now I'm prone to using the odd emoji and some people don't like that. But um, do they they count as a word? What word do they make any difference? I think the content of your post is more important than the emoji. So you can have the emoji on the end, no problem. However, you're looking for inspiring, engaging content. Okay, got it. So what happens next? You're interacting with people on LinkedIn. They then connect with you, I assume. Is that right? They can only follow me because I have my system set up on my profile on LinkedIn to follow only. Okay. I've heard a little bit about that. Would you mind telling people why you do that? Sure. There are a lot of people that want to sell you something and not everyone does it well. And what I realized was the more members that we get, the more people want to sell me something, whether it's software or whatever. And I make them work for it, if you will. So you have to have access to my email address in order to connect with me. Right. Okay. That's interesting. So you put that up as a way to block unwanted outreach. Filter, yes. Filter. I like that better. That's a better word than blocking. I thought it was interesting when you and I were trying to connect to have this conversation that we could communicate really easily on LinkedIn, yet our emails were going everywhere. I thought that was hilarious. You know, you're trying to email me. I'm trying to email you. They're going to our spam folder. We had to keep going back to LinkedIn to swap a message. So did you get my email? And I thought, right, right. (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny, particularly when we're trying to talk about social selling and using LinkedIn more effectively uh, as a little side note there. So, okay, so what other strategies have you got to help people? Create great content. And you have to create an avatar, a minimum of one, which is your ideal customer persona. And when you have your ideal customer persona, then you take and create a list of 30 questions that they would ask you about what you do. Then you take that list of 30 and you answer those in your LinkedIn posts. That you that list of 30 is also good for your blog posts, for your videos. You have to create content that makes your target market say, I want to learn more. She is the expert and I want to follow her. Yeah, I think many people miss this step. You know, they, they just think I've got to post something. What can I post? Oh, look, here's, here's a comment about coronavirus, for example. Uh, so yeah. then they'll post about that. And because it becomes it's something very generic, it's easy to engage with. So people get a lot of interaction on some of those posts that aren't actually helping them drive their business outcomes. And what happens then is people think, oh, I've got a lot of you know, interaction on that post about coronavirus. I'm going to post more things about that. But it's actually right. it's driving people away from the, the business outcomes. And I think this is where salespeople particularly, and I'd be interested on your point of view, but they can spend a lot of time on LinkedIn posting the wrong thing. They get a whole lot of interaction. That then reinforces they feel good about that. So they think I should post more of that content. And sure. it's like a circle of death. 
you know, a spiral of death. You know? Yes, <laughs> very much so. So your 30 questions helps you stay on point, on track, on message. Yes. Great strategy. Okay, 30 seems like a lot. Can I shortcut that to five? No. <laughs> you cannot because the first five will be super easy. <laughs> right. The second, the second section, the next 20, will be a little more challenging. And then when you get to the last five or 10, those are the ones, the meat and potatoes that really cause you to think that will change the game. Okay. Yep. And you know what? As I sit here thinking about it, I think, of course, everybody's going to write the same five questions if they're in the same field as yeah. you. It's only, mm-hmm. you know, your, the depth of your expertise will only come out the deeper you go into the subject. Right. And remember, every single post that you put should move your prospect through the sales cycle, through the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel, the bottom of the funnel, from awareness, consideration, and decision. If it does not move them through those areas, then it is a waste of time. Great stuff. Okay. So what's the next steps? Normally, I get people coming to me. I don't have to chase anyone for connection or for an appointment. They reach out to me. Okay. So so you create that awareness, start a bit of agitation with your content, and then typically those people are then going to say, hey, Cynthia. Maybe we should have a chat or can I be part of your association, et cetera. Right, right. Okay, nice stuff. I really like it. So what are there any other general social selling LinkedIn tips that you think people are getting wrong or that are a lot of people do incorrectly that you'd like to share? They promote too much. Hmm. Okay. They promote too much. So Remember, this is about relationships and engagement. There's nothing wrong with promoting an upcoming webinar, an upcoming podcast. However, you want to engage, inform, inspire, then promote. Okay. And do you have a a system, a routine, or some outlines for the best practice, or is there a little bit less, a bit more loose than that? Actually, we do. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are the best days to engage on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Monday and Friday, people are either out of the office or checked out emotionally. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and Saturday are the best days for us to engage. So we save our hottest content for those days. And then we have inspirational, maybe a quote or maybe a a testimonial from a, a current member, testimonial from a sponsor on the off days. Okay. That's interesting. I wonder if that's those times geographically specific because I find I get probably my second best interaction on LinkedIn on Monday afternoon, so from 5 o'clock through to about 9 p.m. in um, Australia time. It it feels like a lot of people are sitting down having dinner or they used to be on the bus, but, of course, no one's travelling to work at the moment. Mm -hmm. Or the kids are in bed at 7.30 and they they jump onto LinkedIn and and like a bit of content and maybe have a few conversations. So I actually get really strong interaction on Monday afternoon. Great. And Sunday evening, uh, Sunday afternoon also, sorry, from about about 2 to 5 o'clock. So as people are getting ready to go back to work, it's a bit of a thing here in Australia where if you're a middle management, you typically get yourself buttoned up before Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are starting to do a little bit of work, spend a couple of hours sorting through things like emails or their to-do lists for the coming week. And I find that I can get good interaction on LinkedIn Sunday afternoon between about that two to six time frame as well. So 
That's awesome that you know that. That is perfect. But it's interesting that it's different to you. I wonder if the, if it is geographical. I'd love to find that out. I'm going to ask more people that question. Yes. I would love for LinkedIn to create an analytics feature that tells me when my network is most active. Yeah, why can't they could do that? They surely would. So if I can see your green button, if I look, if I go to the message, right, I can see that you're online or not online. Uh-huh. Surely they can then just farm that information and tell us. Yes. That's a great idea. Yeah, Facebook can. Why can't they? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Another good idea. You're full of great ideas, Cynthia. I'm loving it. All right. So can you tell me a little bit about your training? So do you do LinkedIn training or is it training more broadly? We do not do LinkedIn training. That is not our forte, if you will. There are other people that do LinkedIn training much, much better than we do. Mm -hmm. We train on overcoming the hurdles that prevent women from reaching the top 1%. So we'll talk about things like overcoming imposter syndrome, the inner critic, being assertive versus aggressive, passive aggressive or passive. They're more of a professional development type of thing. Occasionally we will run a LinkedIn training like right now we're doing uh, kick-ass LinkedIn sales profiles and within our membership, it's a membership only type of thing. And then we're talking about clarity and crisis. So there's a plethora of topics that women in our organization want to know about. In addition to the webinars that we we host, we like to think that we have our finger on the pulse of what women in sales are going through and what they want. And we keep learning more and more. And that's what that's what drives our content. Okay. And thinking about what you're helping women to achieve, is the instruction to women in sales different to instruction for men in sales? Yes. For example, in traditional sales approaches, you'll spend a day or two on learning how to build relationships. For women in sales, we don't need that much time because we build relationships genuinely and authentically and naturally. So to spend two days spending time on that is a waste of time for us. So we will address other areas that women in sales are challenged by and not spend as much time on those things that we do automatically well. Okay, that's great. What sort of areas would they be more challenged than than men? Overcoming imposter syndrome, inner critic, being assertive, navigating the bro culture, how to respond when a man says, let me speak to your boss, honey, how to respond when you are sexually harassed by a prospect or a customer, things like that. Yeah, okay, so... Those things are super critical. And being a man, you know, that when I asked that question, that's not even what I was thinking. So that just shows you how naive some of us are, me included. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. This is a awareness <laughs> thing. Awareness. Yeah, that's exactly right. What do you think, if you're giving people instruction around social selling, because that's what we're talking about predominantly today, what do you think the one thing people should take from our conversation today? If they could just go and do one thing, because people generally are poor at taking lots of instruction, but if you gave them, said, you know, right. I listened to Cynthia and Mark, and as a result of that conversation, I did this, what would you like that to be? I would love for them to promise themselves that they will not put anything on LinkedIn that does not position them as an authoritative figure in their industry. Remember, your clients and your prospects and your buyers want to do business with someone who can answer questions that they can't Google. Yeah, great. Can you expand on that so that let's just so that people that are listening or maybe heard this for the first time can get some clarity around what that might look like? Sure. So when you know your prospect, your ideal buyer with granularity and specificity, you know what 
they want. There's two ways to do that. If you think about your ideal prospect, and let's say his name is Tom, and Tom, after coronavirus, goes on a Thursday night happy hour, and he meets the guys, and they say, Tom, it's been about a month. How you doing? You're having small talk. And Tom takes his craft beer, and he says, you guys, you're not going to believe what happened. I finally been able to accomplish this at work. Whatever the this is that gets him excited enough to put down his craft beer that's related to what you do, that is what you need to focus on helping him with. Another way of looking at that is to take Tom's KPIs, his key performance indicators, and find out what is he measured on in his annual review that you can help him with. If you can help him become a rock star on those KPIs, you will never go hungry. Yeah, I like the way you've described that there because so many times we hear people talking about executive priorities, you know, or pain points, but it seems like it's much easier to figure out what people's KPIs are. Yes. Because, you know, if you think about somebody and their role, it's very easy to go, okay, well, their KPIs are likely to be this. So if I focus on helping somebody achieve their KPIs, they're going to be interested in what I've got to say. Absolutely. I love that. So how can we look like we've got more authority on LinkedIn? Have you got any tips for people on that? I realize these questions are just, I'm firing them at you without any warning. So you- It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, you have to have a profile that says, this is who I am, who I serve, and the results that I get. Your LinkedIn profile should be your main marketing message. So when LinkedIn was purchased by Microsoft, they wanted to make sure that people spend as much time on LinkedIn as people do on Facebook. One way they do that is to open the profiles up so that the three largest search engines can crawl them. So if your profile is SEO optimized, then the Bing, Yahoo, and Googles of the world will crawl your LinkedIn profile. And more likely than not, when someone Googles someone who does what you do, if your profile is SEO optimized, you will pop on the first page of Google before your company website, if your profile is optimized. Okay, so can you give us a 30 seconds outline on the on how we create a SEO optimized profile? Sure. So you can use something like Google AdWords Keyword Planner. You can use Uber Suggest by Neil Patel. You can go and find out what keywords your ideal target market is using to put into Google to find someone who does what you do. Then you use those keywords in your profile, in your headline, in your summary, and in your experience section. Great advice. And so then when somebody's Googling those keywords or searching for them on LinkedIn, you're going to come up earlier on in the search functionality. Yes. In addition to your content that you're putting daily on LinkedIn. So does the content have to have the same keywords? You're getting what I'm putting down. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Love it. Okay. So Cynthia, you've given us so many great things for us to go and do today. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the the team before we, we wrap up? LinkedIn is your best way to reach B2B buyers yep. and B2B to C. Okay. Look. If you are trying to position yourself as a thought leader or a subject matter expert, there is no better platform than LinkedIn to do it. Yes. And, I, and look, obviously, both of us have been pretty fortunate in that we've built our brand over LinkedIn over time. You know, and I can 100% agree that the amount of opportunities that have come to me and that I've been able to generate, so it's not always people coming to me, but it's made it significantly easier for me to be able to reach out to people like you, for example, if you've got some level of authority and you've got a strong LinkedIn presence. So, Cynthia, I'm interested. Are you 
open to people from Australia, maybe women sales professionals in Australia connecting and reaching out to you, or are you more interested in people in North America? Absolutely. We have uh, members all over and I have connections from all over the world. So yes, please. How would you like them to contact you? Please provide some information so that people can reach out. Yes. Follow me on LinkedIn, Cynthia Barnes. You can check out NAWSP at NAWSP.org. And lastly, there's a community of women in sales at the NAWSP tribe, which is www. I don't know why you have to enter that, but <laughs> www.NAWSPTribe.com. And that is a free resource. And we talk about everything from personal branding to LinkedIn to overcoming objections. So that's a great place for, for people to come. Okay. I think that's fantastic. And I'd suggest any of my listeners to follow Cynthia. I mean, I, you and I, I think we're connected, Cynthia. And you know, some of the things that you post are, are fantastic. They're always thought-provoking. There's a lot of good content there and you get a lot of fantastic interaction. In wrapping up, so for those of you that are listening on the podcast that are in sales and you're located in APAC, feel free to connect with me, but make sure you send me a personalized connection request saying that you heard us on the pod. And if you thought that there was some value in this podcast, please share uh, with your friends and tell your friends to check us out. We release a new podcast every Monday morning and that's the best of social selling. Cynthia, thanks very much for coming through and uh, sharing all of those fantastic strategies. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been thoroughly a pleasure. No problem. And for our listeners, we'll catch you all next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Please help others just like you find this podcast by spreading the word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you source your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Boss Podcast. Join us next time for even more tactics, discussion, and ideas to help you improve your social outreach.